Welcome to the branch. My name is Jared. I am uh, one of the newer staff members here this morning. Uh, kids four and under, you're free to be dismissed, go to your class. Uh, the rest of you, uh, you're in here with us today. We're very excited that you're joining us. Even if it was the last minute, we are very excited that you're here. Uh, so this morning, uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Exodus 12. We're going to be there this morning. As we continue just going through the slow verse-by-verse look at Exodus that we're in, uh, just a quick reminder of where we are in Exodus. So Israel, uh, they have found themselves to be in Egypt. They're still in Egypt. We're between plagues 9 and 10. Uh, So we've seen a lot of the judgment and a lot of the things the last couple of weeks around the plagues and why they were important and what they were there for. And this week we kind of see a big picture. This is like one of those mountain peak moments of the Bible. All of the Bible is important. That's what we believe. That's why we preach it the way that we do. But this morning is especially important. This is, uh, I keep making the joke this week that this is Easter in August. Uh, This week we find ourselves at the Passover, and we really start to slow down in this passage here so that God can show Israel something very important. He wants to show them uh, the picture that they are to see in salvation as they're being rescued from Egypt. Um, and, but more importantly, he wants us to see the bigger picture of how he has provided salvation to us, how he's provided it through his son, Jesus Christ, and how we must remember and celebrate these things. So like I said, the last four weeks we've been in the plagues. This is like week five of the plagues. So we're rolling through, we're almost done, doing great. And so what we've seen throughout the plagues, and we've made this argument over and over again, that all the plagues were about was uh, these three things. God is God. He is above all. He is the one and only God. Uh, He is over creation. He is over all the other nations. He is more powerful than any other nation's God. Two, God is just, that the justice of God, it's perfect in the way that it's displayed, uh, who it is towards, and in every way about it, he is right in doing his judgment and his justice how he sees fit. And three, that he is also merciful, that while God could have immediately just chosen to destroy Egypt, uh, to just steamroll them and let Israel be free, he instead offered them chances of repentance, times to uh, reflect and see who he is. And this mercy that God has displayed comes to this ultimate picture today of this salvation that he shows Israel and shows all of the people of the earth. And so, As we see all of this imagery, all of the foreshadowing, the fasting, the feasting that we see in the Passover this morning, just keep all of this in mind, uh, that all of this points forward to Jesus. And we're going to dive into a lot of these things this morning as we go through it. Um, But just think about the song that we just sang, Riley, great choice this morning, Behold the Lamb. This is exactly what the Passover is about. It's pointing forward to who Christ was. Behold the Lamb who is coming, who has come, who God has provided for us. So we'll go ahead and read Exodus 12. We're in verses 1 through 28, and then we'll jump into it. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. 
Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belts fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And this day shall be a memorial day for you. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly. On the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations, as a statute forever. And the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself, according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep the service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for your gathering and your word that you have given us. Uh, I pray that you will just open us up to what it is that you have to say and what it is that you have to show. Uh, I pray that you will be with all of us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So remember, this passage is kind of a weird in-between for Israel. It's between plagues 9 and 10, uh, and it's given as both a promise of what's going to happen and both has a memorial of what they should do in later generations to look back and remember these things. So it was both uh, something that God promised and it was something that they were to remember, a holiday of sorts. And this is actually one of the big Jewish holidays that they still celebrate today is the Passover. So very quick, just quick flyover of Passover and what it looks like. So 
As they set it up, it started on day 10 of the first month of the year. So day 10, uh, they would get their Passover lamb, they would get the lamb, bring it into their home, and they would keep it for four days. On the 14th day of the month, they were to all kill their lambs at twilight. Uh, And a big thing that happens at the same time of the Passover is if we read Jesus' account of the crucifixion, this is the same night that Jesus was crucified. So as the lamb was being slaughtered, as all the priests came forward and said, Behold the lamb, this is the lamb that God has provided. Jesus was being turned over to the chief priests and the Pharisees. So remember all of this in mind as we're looking at the images and the metaphors and the symbols that were given through the Passover. So day 14, they kill their Passover lamb, they take uh, the blood and they paint it on their doorframe, and that was the sign that they were to have. And then day 15 through day 21, uh, this was the festival of unleavened bread. It was the festival that was set up after the Passover. It was a time of feasting, of remembering, of reflecting and studying Scripture, and going back over all of the things that God had done for them. And so if we start looking at this, we can start to see the importance that the Passover had for Israel as a nation. So if we look at verse 2, it says, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. So God completely reorients their calendar. He reorients their year, their thinking, all based around the Passover. They're to take the Passover. This is supposed to be the beginning of time for them, the beginning of the year for them. Um, And so... This is very different from how we celebrate New Year's. Uh, Me, myself, I was never a big New Year's kind of guy. Growing up, I used to always think it was just a late celebration of Christmas. Like, you you guys missed it. It was last week. Why are we doing this again this week? We just did this. Uh, But really, to start off the year by remembering the fulfillment of the promise that God gives to His people is something that's very big for them to do. It's very important for them to remember and to see uh, really what God has done for them. And so to start off the year in this way and to start off from their thinking this is the beginning of all months, of every year, for all time, that is a big deal for them to see and to remember. And it's this really cool uh, memorial that's built into the Passover, how every year they just repeat it over and over and over so that they would not forget Some of the other symbols that we see in the Passover, um, verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So this lamb without blemish, this is a big theme that we see in the Old Testament. We see it later repeated in the giving of the law, in the sacrificial systems that we see in Leviticus. Uh, And for the lamb to be acceptable as an offering to God, it was very important that it be unblemished. And this detail is important really for two reasons. Uh, One, the lamb given had to be the best that Israel could offer. Uh, Now, this sounds kind of weird, uh, but I grew up around a farm. I grew up around animals. And so it's weird to say this, but some animals are just worth more than others. Can't really say that about people. You get in trouble with that. But with animals, you can get away with saying that. Um, They might have a broken leg. They might be dying anyway. And so they just said, let's throw it on the chopping block. It's not really going to affect our resources. Or sometimes it might just be prettier than the other lambs. Again, weird thing to say about animals, but that's just the way to put it. And so Israel was supposed to give the best that they had to offer. They were supposed to give the lamb without blemish, the special one that they withheld for the whole year in order for the next Passover. They would have this beautiful lamb that they could sacrifice and give up. 
And the second reason uh, why this was important, the second reason why the lamb was significant, again, if we think about how we're supposed to look forward and see uh, the symbol of the Messiah of Jesus through the Passover, it was important that the lamb was unblemished and it was significant because it was to be perfect in every way in order to cover their sins. And we'll jump into this in more context later, but for the lamb of God, the lamb that was provided to be uh, enough for it to be right, Uh, God required that it be perfect, without blemish, without sin. And that's the big thing that we see with Jesus, that he came, he who knew no sin came to deliver us. And this is, again, want to remind us of the context of where we are. Uh, In between plagues 9 and 10, Israel still in Egypt. They are still there. So if we look at verse 12, uh, he puts it very plainly. uh, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. That's not very good for Israel, because if we remember where they were, they're in the land of Egypt. They're still there. In a weird way of looking at it, they were in the direct line of fire, right? So they're there standing downrange uh, from God who's promising to come and strike all the firstborn of Egypt. All the man, all the beasts. There's no exclusions here. And this is a part that's, that nobody likes to talk about, that Israel was just as guilty as Egypt was in these days. If we look back, Exodus 5, several weeks ago, uh, we see that they were guilty in not believing God when he came to tell them, uh, I am here to deliver you. I am not here to plague you. I am here to set you free. What they, they, they grumbled and complained about the things that God did. And if we look forward, this isn't specifically mentioned in Exodus, but if we look forward to Joshua 24, he makes mention of these gods and what's going on. So in Joshua 24, as they're preparing to go into the promised land, Joshua tells them, remove your idols that you worshipped before in the land of Egypt. So we see that they were guilty of this idolatry. They were guilty of both doubting God and the idolatry of the Egyptians. They were just like the Egyptians. And because of this, they deserve to be struck down like the Egyptians. They were guilty of the same thing. But why should that matter to us? Because we are just like Israel. And this is the point that people really don't like to talk about. They kind of don't like to talk about Israel being like Egypt, but they really don't like to talk about us being like Egypt. Uh, Romans 3.23 would put it this way, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we have found ourselves to be in this same spot that Israel has found themselves in during the Passover, during the plagues, uh, that they are deserving of judgment. We are deserving of judgment, of being struck down, that we have sinned in our idolatry or our non-belief or whatever it is, fill in the blank, that we deserve the judgment and to be struck down, stuck in Egypt without any means of escape. And this is really the big point for today, uh, that God is the one that provides this salvation. He's the one that provides the Passover, so we cannot forget that. Now, luckily, this passage doesn't end here, but it keeps going to show, uh, one, how Israel escapes Egypt and how we can also escape this judgment. So verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, this does not mean that the blood of lambs or animals or sheep was special or mystical in any way. It didn't uh, provide 
any kind of mystical protection from death. It doesn't provide some kind of targeting system for God to just aim at. Uh, if that were the case, I promise I would be loaded down with some sheep. We've got two acres in the back. I can fit 20 sheep back there. Easy. But that's not the case that we see here. Uh, and so this, what's going on here is that the blood was meant to symbolize what was really happening. It was to symbolize the death that was coming. The, the judgment of God was being struck down on the sheep, right? The sheep was the one that died. They then took the blood from the sheep and painted it and made the sign. The sign of the blood was to be the sign that God was to pass over this house. And so uh, a quote I want to share, this is from commentary that we, we've used a lot in Exodus. Um, uh, and we've provided it to our family groups, and it's something we use a lot. It should be on the screen behind me, just talking about the judgment and the sign of the blood. The blood on their do- doors served as a sign that judgment had already fallen at that house. Just as the plagues were assigned to Egypt of God's justice and judgment, now the Passover was a sign of God's mercy to Israel. In the midst of looming judgment, God provided for the seed of woman. He protected Israel from slavery and death for future salvation. And accomplishing this, he said, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So God allowed for Israel's sin to be paid for by another through the sacrifice of the sheep, through the slaughtering of this Passover lamb, uh, their debt was paid. And again, why does this matter to us? Why does it matter that uh, years and years ago Israel killed a lamb and they were able to escape the land of Egypt? Because all of these things point to Christ. Christ was the perfect, unblemished lamb, uh, the one without sin that came to die, that came to... um, set us free from our sin, from our bondage, from our slavery. Uh, And it's important for us to understand this role that Christ played in our salvation and in this penal substitution, right? That's just a weird theological word. Sounds weird, but it simply means that we made the penalty, but Christ made the substitution for us. That because of this penalty that we made, we deserve death. But God in His mercy and His love provided Christ to be our substitute and to die in that place that we deserved. And I think that's something that we miss easily as Christians. Uh, full disclosure, I've never, satis- I've never observed Passover, never celebrated it. Didn't know that much about it until uh, I started preparing for this morning. But I think that the imagery that was given was very powerful, that they would be reminded of this death year, and year in, year out, beginning of the year, first month. And I think that's something that, you know, those older Baptist churches get right, but it's something that we miss from not having our own building, right? If you go to an old Baptist church, what do they have in the front yard? Cemeteries. And I think that's something that we miss very well here. And I know that sounds weird. Uh, Who would want a cemetery? Isn't that kind of depressing? But there's something about, you know, you're in church on Sunday, you finish up, you're singing your songs, and you leave, and you're shaking hands, and on the way out, you turn, and you see a cemetery. And you're reminded of this death makes you kind of want to go back in there and say, hey, can we, can we do this again, just in case? But that's not the case here. It is the shocking reminder that uh, with this salvation, um, what it saved us from, from our death, but more importantly, that in that saving of death, there must be more death. To be saved from our judgment, there must be judgment. In the case of Israel, it was the death of this Passover lamb. And that's something that cannot be missed. And it was a great reminder for them to see year in, year out. 
if you would, turn with me to Hebrews 10, uh, verses 1 through 10. This is an important passage that shows us uh, why it is that these things came to be, why it was uh, that God declared this is how it's going to be, and why it is more important that Jesus came to save us than it was for this Passover lamb. So Hebrews 10 should be behind me. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first order in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Like I was saying earlier, there is nothing special about the blood of animals and goats and sheep to forgive us of our sins. But the death of Christ, that is where we find our salvation. That is the better thing that we have to focus on. And it's very difficult to look at the Easter story, the crucifixion, and to be reminded of this death. But it's so important that we remember this. Even though it is heavy stuff that Jesus would die to take our substitute, uh, look again at verses 6 and 7 of this. It says, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. I have come to do your will. You have taken no, no pleasure in burnt offerings and sin offerings. And it repeats this twice. But Jesus desired to do these things. He desired to follow the will of God. He took pleasure in doing the things that God commanded him to do. And in this obedience, even though it's hard for us to look at, it's good for us to remember that Christ did these things willingly. He did these things out of love and out of uh, joy for his people. I'm not saying it wasn't painful or difficult or that this death wasn't a real death, but I am saying that Jesus considered it all worth it. He considered everything else loss in order to be obedient and follow God's will in this. And what's more is that God considered it worth it to save us. It says he took pleasure in these things. It was his will to do these things for us. And this is why in John 1, uh, John the Baptist, different John that wrote John, uh, this is why he exclaims, the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was slain to take away the sin of the world. This is why he was so excited about it, because he could see that the salvation was there, that uh, God had once again provided a final Lamb. He provided a final Passover for the people to have, for the people to come to know God and who he was. And this is the salvation that's foreshadowed in Egypt, that as he provides the Passover lamb, he provides Christ. He provides a way out of Egypt for us. And that was the point of setting up Passover as a memorial day, so that they could look back and remember these things, uh, that they were supposed to 
uh, put themselves back into this context year after year after year. Really cool aspect of the Passover was all of the symbols and all the things that they had to do that could like intentionally remind them of that, from the food that they were supposed to eat for these days. Uh, the, the way that they were to dress as they were to take the meal, like very intentional. They're dressing up in their clothes, ready to go. Not oftentimes do I put on my shoes, my belt, my work clothes to sit down and eat a meal with my wife, or in this case, to stand up and eat it really quick. Uh, but that is what they were supposed to do here in order that they could look back and remember these things. They were to do it ready to escape Egypt when God was to come and strike them. Uh, the bitter herbs, this was given to remind them of uh, the bitterness of their slavery, of their bondage that they had in Egypt so that they wouldn't look back and uh, desire these things again. Uh, the signs on their door that they still mark to this day with the blood over the Passover lamb. And like I said, these are powerful reminders of what it is that uh, Christ is telling us that he did what he came to do for us. And all these things that they were commanded to do and that, that they were obedient in doing, uh, which is a, one of the few times that we see Israel do it. So, way to go. Uh, if we look forward at uh, Exodus 12, verse 28, flick back to Exodus if you lost your place, it says, Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And so it's important for us to see uh, that pattern, to see the flow of things that's going on. God promised salvation. He extended it. They had the lamb. They had the instructions of what to do uh, to receive God. And then they went out and believed him. And they did the things uh, that he commanded them to do. They believed God when he said that he would strike down the firstborn in Egypt. They believed him when he said, do these things if you want for me to pass over. And that in order to receive the salvation that they had in Egypt that they had to believe. They had to be obedient to all the things that God commanded them to do. And this is another link that we have with Israel, something that we have in common with the Passover. And Paul put it this way in Romans 10. It should be on the screen behind me just real quick. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So here he is talking about what it takes. He's talking about our outward sign, what we paint the door with, what we believe uh, in order for God to pass over us in judgment. We must mark ourselves and remember uh, with our belief, what we believe, what we know that he came to do. We must mark it with the way that we confess, the way that we live out Christ and his death um, in these things. So this Passover uh, that was given to Israel, it was meant for them to follow forever. Uh, if we look at verse 17, uh, it says, You shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. So the directions, the stories, the telling of God's story to Israel, it was repeated over and over again to their children and their children's children, also that they wouldn't forget, and they wouldn't forget to keep looking for the Messiah to come. Um, and so they were very celebratory in this. They were very happy. They were very glad to do these things. Uh, and it makes us wonder if we're remembering these things. Um, are we sinful in not celebrating the Passover? Easy answer, no. Uh, if, we, if we turn to Luke 22, 14 through 20, um, we get 
newer, more updated instructions of how we are to celebrate the Passover. And so again, I turned, uh, uh, pointed this out earlier, uh, that this was the night of Jesus' crucifixion, that as he is here celebrating the final Passover with the disciples, uh, telling them of the things that is to come, uh, he is knowing what's coming to him. He's knowing that judgment is coming. So as he is giving these instructions, he's knowledgeable of all that's come to pass. So Luke 22, 14 through 20. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. So our communion, uh, the Lord's Supper, which we will take later, this was to be the institution of our new Passover. This is uh, the way that we are to follow these instructions and to remember. Uh, And we do this every time after the gathering. We go and we take communion, and we remember and celebrate the things that Christ has done for us. And again, our story and Israel's story is linked in many different ways uh, to how we look to God to provide salvation, provide the Lamb, uh, how He has provided and given these things to us, to how we are to look back and remember the promises that He has fulfilled and to look forward uh, to what He will do to us. Uh, But the difference where the link ends is how they celebrate Passover today. So traditionally today, when they celebrate Passover at the final night, they take a moment and remember and look forward to the Messiah that is to come. They are still looking. They're still observing, trying to find uh, salvation. Uh, But this is the point that they are missing. This is what they are missing, that the Messiah already came. And that's the difference between uh, the old Passover and our new Passover, communion, is that we have already been given these things. We've been given a greater Exodus story. We have been given the final Passover. We have been ultimately given a moment or given final salvation for all people, for the reconciliation of God's wrath for His people. And so as we enter this time of communion, I just want us to remember Luke's words that he he says here, Jesus' words through Luke, as he says, this is my body given for you. This is our Passover celebration, where we come to remember the salvation of God, where we come to remember and celebrate all that He has done for us, how the Lamb of God was provided, how His body was broken and His blood was spilled. And and we believe all of these things. And later, after communion, we'll recite the Apostles' Creed together as we go through all of these beliefs. We believe all these things. There is one small line in there uh, talking about the church, talking about Uh, We believe in the Catholic Church, right? This is not pointing to the denomination Catholic Church, but this is pointing to the big C Church, the global church. And that we, what we mean when we say this is that we believe that God died, He he sent His Son to die for His church, that together uh, God has called us to be a people, to remember Him, to celebrate Him and all that He has done, how His steadfast love is still shown through His Son and how we must remember all of those things. 
So if you are not a believer, we ask that you, you sit, that you think about these things. If you want to talk to somebody, uh, the elders, myself, and some of the other leaders, we'd love to talk to you. We'll be off uh, kind of in that corner by the coffee. Uh, we'd love to sit and talk to you about what it means to, to be covered by the blood of Christ. And if you are a believer, communion will be open for us to go and to celebrate and to remember all the things that God has done for us and how He will continue to provide. Let us pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, for Your final Passover, for this moment of salvation that You have given to us forever to remember and to look at and to know You, Father. I thank You for how You've proclaimed these things to us, for us to know You plainly, for us to, to see who You are, to see Your salvation that You gave to us through Your Son, Christ. I thank You for the sacrifice that You made that your death, I thank you for these things that we didn't have to die, that you covered us, you covered your wrath so that we could be alive, so that we could come to know you and come to know all the things that you have promised for us. I thank you for your son, I thank you for all of these things, and I pray that just as we continue to go through our week, as we're in our places of work, in our our mission field that you have given us, that we will remember and proclaim the goodness of you, that we will confess with our mouths uh, that Jesus is Lord, that we will obey and believe and live in a way that just shows this to the world, Father. I thank you for all that you've done. Amen.